This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to episode 179 of the Half Measures Podcast. I am once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Balkanower. How are you, pal? I'm good. Kia ora, Dan. I'm very, very good. Um, I feel like I want to come in straight away and talk about the football, but this is a movie and TV podcast, but what do you think? I think we can talk about it because I'm I'm also deep in the football, which is something I never thought I would say, but I'm... I'm loving these um, Women's World Cup games. I, I've been staying up, you know, late for me to watch them. I'm planning to stay up late for the coming episodes, like 10 o'clock here in New Zealand. That's pretty late to be <laughs> starting up. Episodes. This is not, it's not an episode. Oh, sorry. It's not an episode. Oh, match. Whatever you call it. Look, I'm, I'm a real novice when it comes to any type of sports ball, but um, I'm, I'm definitely having a good time. It's definitely, I think, a combination of – Obviously, you know, welcome to Wrexham, um, the last hundred years of you droning on about football. Um, it's just slowly, it's slowly, it's wearing off on me. I'm, I'm here for it. It worries me how many people use the expression droning on and then insert oh, yeah. whatever it is I've been talking about. It, it gives me a lot of confidence as to uh, the public perception of, of me. Um, but you're absolutely right. It has been a really wonderful tournament to watch. It's been so exciting and as someone who's sort of just a little bit tired of the Premier League because of all the money in football it's this has been just what I needed a really tremendous tremendous quality and also so refreshing to have to not have to hear all the crap that we've heard in previous tournaments about the standard of of the women's game not being good enough or the quality or the pace it's been genuinely top class and entertaining it's been really awesome as well, just seeing how sold out the stadium is, right? Like, you know, Eden Park, um, watching the uh, Spain Sweden game, like just mm. in- incredible to see a, a sellout audience. Um, it was, it was a, good, a good game for New Zealand to say farewell to that tournament because, of course, you know, everything else now is Australia. So it's um, mm. it was the final New Zealand game. It was a, a worthy game, I thought. What is your prediction, Paul, for? Are you are you hoping for a, an England Spain final? Like, is that is that kind of where your your heart's at? Well, with Spain in the final, and so we're recording this peek behind the curtain Wednesday night, just before that England Australia game that will be on ten thirty p.m. our time. Uh, definitely going to be wanting England to knock Australia out. However, it, I've said this and I've got it in writing on a WhatsApp group some time ago before the knockout stages began. I said if Australia get momentum. I could see them going on to win the whole thing because they'll have that home advantage. And it wouldn't surprise me to see those dirty Aussies do the business and go all the way. I love that they're called the Matildas. I think that's so cool. What, like it's, what are you on about? How can anyone – that is – oh, I shouldn't offend our listeners, but I find that quite extraordinary, the Matildas. I mean, Waltzy and Matilda, how did that even become their song? Isn't that a Rod Stewart? I mean, I don't, I don't understand any of it. I've never seen you spring to action so fast. I guess <laughs> on the offensive, <laughs> shutting you down on anything. This is my zone, Dan. <laughs> yeah, get out of it. Anyway, it's going to be uh, it's going to be some great great football. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, we'll no doubt be talking about more of this next week, and then I'm going to have to find my next football fix, Paul. It's a it's going to be missing from my life. Very excited to help you out with that. We'll have to have a whiteboarding session as we. We move that forward. Now, before we get into official business, Paul, so last week on the podcast, we ran an official poll uh, <laughs> where, you know, we, we're trying out the new features, particularly on Spotify that they offer us. And so last week we were talking about um, the Jake Paul untold story, problem child. And we, we asked, who is your favorite Paul? Is it Jake Paul? Is it Logan Paul? Is it Paul Canauer? Can I just say, Dan, that you you really blindsided me here because no point in our on air, which went on for about half an hour in our pre-show for our Patreon viewers, uh, did you say to me anything um, that you were going to bring? I have no idea what the results are. If this is bad for me, we're starting the podcast again. Well, look, I've got good news for you. Oh, 66% good. of people voted for Paul Canauer, which is good, I think. 
That's enough. 30, to form, that's enough to form a majority government. So I'm happy. That's right. Thirty-three percent for Logan Paul, zero percent for Jake Paul. So, you know, like we've, where's we've the got other one percent? You've given me thirty-three and sixty-six. I'm a BA at heart. Where's the other one percent? Then where are they hiding? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't. I don't crunch the numbers, Paul. I just. No, that, that's true. I, I tell the news as I see it. So you are still the reigning Paul. Um, I'll settle for that. On the Half Measures podcast. And to those 33% who voted for the other guy, get in that mailbag. I want to hear some reasons, please. But um, thanks for taking part in the poll. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Well, Paul, hit me with what have you been watching this week? Well, other than our two joint reviews uh, this week, Dan, the only thing that I have finished, at least this week, because of all the football noise, and I alluded to it last week, is... Season 12, sorry, series 12 of Doctor Who. Um, and so I will not drone on for too long because I know I, I know I've talked about Doctor Who in a number of podcasts as I've been working my way through to the, the final season, season 13, to bring me fully up to date. But what I will say is this is a definite step up from series 11. So Jodie's, um, Jodie Whittaker's first season for me was really hampered by some poor writing. This season, though, she's given some better some better stories, and um, we get some classic hits in there as well, Dan. And so you you said to me last time, oh, you know, do we get the, you know the episodes with the Daleks and the Cybermen? Well, the answer to that is very very definitely yes, we do in a very traditional sort of way um, for this this twelfth season twelfth series. Um, it was a really um, strong start as well, which I always appreciate. They did the first two episodes um, called Spyfall, and you can see, you know, the Doctor. She's dressed up in the tux, so you can you can see where this is going as they they find their way into MI6. I mean, we all know what they're doing, and I was I really really enjoyed it. It was just really quality. They got that balance of of fun. Uh, of mystery and and just sci-fi just right and it made it really brought back that enjoyment that pure fun factor of of doctor who which was great i'm glad that the uh the episode quality has has improved for you and it kind of speaks to the i guess the ebbs and flows of new doctors coming in right like it's always kind of the the hard first season as people kind of re-adapt to both who the doctor is kind of like telling new stories then they kind of get their next season and everyone's a bit more comfortable and confident with where it's all heading so you kind of and i don't know what the pattern is but you probably kind of need a a three season arc most of the times i guess to be um loved and adopted by fans yeah oh for sure and this season did did cause a bit of um controversy amongst pockets of the fandom who um uh, who were not pleased with some of the, the 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 decisions that sort of affected the law of the Doctor to the point that it preceded what we had what the world had seen with the first Doctor William Hartnell in you know back in the sixties and they tried to do some things that um, brought in a a different incarnation of the Doctor and that Doctor um, being a, a a black female got a lot of uh, so-called fans quite sort of quite riled up there were those who didn't like the the radical changes it was making to the to the law and to the canon and then there was another camp of people that were really just racists and bigots and yeah just just people who who think that it's all part of a a woke gender political agenda of modern media but i um as i always do um, keep a, a sort of a record of my my favourite um, episodes of the season, and I include that episode amongst them. Absolutely, I do. Um, so, if you're taking a look at Doctor Who and you want to jump into the season, Spyfalls Part One and Two for sure, Ascension of the Cybermen, Revolution of the Daleks, and yeah, despite the controversy, uh, the Timeless Children as well. So there's a lot. There's a lot in there that's good. There was, I'm not going to, you know, completely gloss over this. There was some poor episodes in there as well. There was um, some, some that just wouldn't 
you know, it felt like filler for one of a better word. Um, and I'm really conscious that a lot of this would have been during COVID as well. So who knows what effect that would have had on, mm -hmm. on, on writing and production and so on. But, uh, but overall, a real step up from series 11. And so now I'm, I'm hyped to get into uh, the, the final and most current seasons, series 13. It's going to be great when you're you're fully up to date. That's that's quite the effort you've made. It really is. It's been, been, been the first time I worked out since I think it was uh, 2008. It would have been back in the time of David Tennant, and then it was back in the days when we didn't have streaming services like we do now. And it was I think it was airing on like I don't know TV two or, or something, and then they stopped it, and I never went back, and I refused to ever watch it until I'd caught up, and I never had the chance to catch up. But here I am. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be right up to date. So, so that's me, Dan. What about you? What have you got this week? Um, well, I guess just before we jump into that, I guess you'll never be able to say again, Paul. Uh, there's too many Marvel movies for me to catch up. You know, like you now you, you've got the effort. You've got the. You've got the. You've done the training. You've done the commitment. And saying that though, even though I'm, I'm just poking fun, I, I, there's so much Marvel stuff going on right now. <laughs> Even I'm just like I've kind of like pulled out of so much of it as well. Like it's God when they when they take a good thing and it gets a bit wobbly. It's got it's um it depends what the because you made a very good point, but it does come all the way back to that. What is the genre? What is the franchise? What is the what is mm -hmm. the universe? And the pool's just not there. The pull of Doctor Who's been there since I was a a, a kid growing up in the eighties, watching Peter Davison and, and and all the rest of it, and the the, the quality of Jodie Whittaker as an actress is really really superb and so it pulls me in when i look at the marvel movies i i do see an opportunity with disney plus but i do see a lot of time that would be devoted and i feel like if i did it dan this podcast would become on my side of the house at least <laughs> pulled marvel updates for 52 weeks yeah probably. yeah indeed indeed no and i think i think that's fair you've got to really want to sort of go on these journeys so um, over on my side of the fence, so I'm actually doing something a little bit naughty, Paul. I've watched the show and I haven't checked to see whether you, um, A, are watching it or B, want to watch it. It's an Apple TV show called Platonic. So before I jump into it, I'll just, on your radar at all or? Never heard of it. So let's let's hear about it, Dan. All right, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it sort of spoiler free. Nice. Uh, this is a ten-part TV show um, called Platonic that stars um, Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen, and it's basically about these former childhood best friends um, as a who sort of reconnect as adults and try to sort of re reconnect. And they had a bit of a falling out, and they're both kind of at, at different points in their lives. Um, but they're they're two best friends that when they are together. The rest of the world kind of, kind of stops, and you know they kind of just go back to the the good times and the and the memories that they had. Anyway, it's a it's a TV show that I've kind of heard a few people talking about, and they sort of talked about it as a sort of quite funny, b a bit of an easy watch. And so this is the show that you know each episode is you know it's not overly long. We're we're talking. Uh, probably about let me just have a look at the part like 30 minutes an episode so super easy super casual watch it's kind of great that it, it particularly seth rogan it's kind of got um some great seth rogan like what like uh like it's kind of that bad neighbors or mm -hmm. um you know the one where oh what's the one where he's i, I can't think of it where he's Welcome to Forty or whatever it's called. Oh, anyway, yeah. it's this, this is it's one of those movies where it, like it's it's just a, a real casual, easy kind of watch. Um, and so Seth Rogen kind of plays this. He, he owns a he owns a brewery with his friends. He he's sort of making craft beer. Um, Rose oh, Rose uh, Boone, who plays Sylvia, she's kind of a. a suburban mum kind of you know looking to get back into work into the workforce previously been a lawyer married to a lawyer like they're sort of at that point in life where they're kind of like you know their their house is too small their kids are sort of growing up and it's just kind of 
it constantly sort of plays the tension between these two characters who have a purely platonic relationship, like there's nothing romantic involved between them, but they end up kind of spurring each other on, getting up to crazy antics, as you would imagine with Seth Rogen, a, a ton of fun, a ton of laughs. He's kind of playing himself in most of these movies. And it was just kind of a an all-round good, easy watch. I think it's the type of show that, you know, if you kind of put it in, in context – like it's probably in the contender for a, an honourable mention and sort of you know top ten of of twenty twenty three. So it, oh, it's, wow. it's quite up. It's quite up there, I think. Um, like it's it's. But to put that in, in, I guess, in perspective, we are in the middle of a, a writer's strike, an actor's strike. So we don't know how much extra sort of good content's coming this year. But it, this will definitely easily fill the void. You could watch it over a week a couple of episodes here and there, you'll find yourself kind of just rolling between one episode to the next because you're kind of having a, a weirdly good time in a TV series you wouldn't expect to really enjoy, but it's it's good. It's got enough laughs. It's got, an, it's got quite a good story. It's got a lot of heart. Um, I, I'd recommend giving it a go. Nice. We are, we're always on the lookout for some sort of palate cleanser, sort of quick comedy, just, you know, just when you haven't got time to watch something or you don't want to get into something more intense. So this could definitely go onto the list there. I'm just, I was just looking at the, the movies and TV shows that Rose Byrne's been in, because she's one of those people you sort of, you see and you know, but like, it's incredible. Like other than X-Men, I don't think I've seen her in anything other than Attack of the Clones. And I gotta be honest with you, I don't even remember who she was in Attack of the Clones, but um, she's just one of those things where every time I look, I don't think I've really seen her before, but Seth Rogen is always always great for, oh no she's in bridesmaids okay i've seen bridesmaids okay there we go well. yeah bridesmaids neighbors spy um she's been in a few things but she's she's great she's her um her on-screen kind of relationship with seth rogan is is so much fun like you, you can't help but kind of you know feel like you're kind of in this in a friendship circle with these guys it's Nice. And, you know, as you would imagine, you know, a lot of these Apple TV shows, such high production values. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Nicholas Stoller as the creator and director, he's he's worked with Seth before. He did the Bad Neighbours movies. He's had a lot of good comedies under his belt and all the new Muppet stuff, which I want to get into as well. So good writer, good director, good cast, good production phase. And you're talking about honourable mentions for a top 10 has definitely got my attention. Yeah, look, and I think, and like, go into it with low expectations, go into it with a, either palate cleanser, a, a show you might watch while you're kind of eating, eating dinner. It is only one season, um, and there's mm. no sort of confirmation of whether we're going to get a season two yet. It's the type of show where, like, it doesn't necessarily need a second season, but there is kind of options and potential if they could kind of get everyone together. It, it kind of feels like, I don't know why, just in my mind, it feels like, you know, do you, can you lock in someone like Seth Rogen for a second season in a, in a show yeah. like this? It kind of feels it feels difficult, but as kind of a a one off bit of fun, as I say, get around it. It's on Apple TV. Nice, love a rom com. Shall we uh, jump into our joint review of the week, Paul? Uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds season two. So excited, Dan, to be sitting down here to do a joint review of a star trek tv series i mean i don't know what's next then i'm gonna be sitting here talking football with you again football and star trek and here we are talking about it all in one pod it's fantastic this is a tv show that i've been so excited to see return to our television screens this year after after last season so this one for anyone who's unfamiliar with this this is a star trek tv series which is which is set just before the original series so if even someone who's never seen it before probably has heard of captain kirk and, and spock and scotty and so on this is literally just before the the start of that series in terms of the the universe order and so that's what we're dealing with we had a um a really good first season both you and i had it as honourable mentions in our top 10 for 2022. So that's that's a, a great sign that we're coming into something good. I'm going to ask you what you thought then, but I'll, I'll start by saying, because I know you and I have, have um, exchanged our order of what we consider to be 
the the better episodes or the or our least favorite episodes. And one of the things that I spotted straight away to dive straight into it that I spotted was that we both placed the first episode, the season opener, as being last place. And that really, really, um, that really, really affected me because it's like you go into a show that you love and then all of a sudden you're starting off on a real back foot and it's like, oh, what a weak start. But we went up from there. I think um, it's it's interesting, eh? Because I know that there's it's funny because reviewing the episodes with you, like kind of like looking at the, what's my preference, what's my order of what's my favourites. Like it was quite easy to pull out my favourites, but I feel like I have to start this this season review for me a, a little bit negative because I I love the season one, but I. I struggled to connect a little bit with season two and I and I say this with sort of like mixed emotion because as I said when I looked at sort of each episode by episode I definitely have sort of at least sort of five that are kind of are really good but I really sort of felt disconnected from my I feel like season one ended on such a such a cliffhanger such a, a big sort of like event to, to try and deal with and I just feel like season two kind of fumbled that storyline a little bit and kind of made it a bit of a non-event and then I feel like very much in the se- like in season one it felt like we kind of had this deeper bigger story that was driving it forward and this season I felt like it was very much um quirky event of the of the week and I know that that's probably a little bit of a, a you know this is the theme of I guess Star Trek so I shouldn't be too hard on it but I just didn't I didn't love this season like I loved the first season like the first season I couldn't get enough of it I was I was like yes give me another episode give me another episode I was to be honest with you I'm like I'm glad we've kind of done with season two now and I I don't feel like overall it's probably going to appear in my top 10 list at this stage, which which I feel a little bit sad to say because, as I said in the last um, the last time we reviewed this show, it was such a surprise and delight and it really kind of brought me deeper into the Star Trek universe as a, as a non-core Trekkie. Very interesting, Dan. I will see your opinion and, and challenge on a couple of things, but one thing I will agree on is the there is that element of quirky thing of the week or alien of the week or whatever. And that is quite deliberate because even though you described that as being, that's what Star Trek, the truth is, is that since the original series and the next generation, so sort of that sixties and eighties, nineties, Star Trek went on a, um, a bit of a, a, a changing journey and we had um, more sort of, you talk about serialized tv and and so on but if you think about the modern shows the 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 discovery you know that kind of track and modern tv shows as we have it the sort of more episodic nature of star trek we haven't had for a wee while so it's actually it's it's old but it's new so yes you're right it's it's interesting though that you found the season overall weaker because as a, as a season overall in terms of enjoyment factor, I found this season to be more enjoyable. And I think it was because a lot of the the ground had been set in season one and season one spent a fair bit of time just setting out who those characters were. Whereas we got some great episodes here where we know who these characters are and we can just dive straight in um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Um, where Lan travels back to 21st century Earth with Kirk. Um, that was just a standout for me in terms of us knowing the dynamic of her character because we learned it in season one. We didn't have to have that explained to us. I thought that was good. The Ad Astra Peraspera, um, the, the court martial that we, we could see coming from the end of season one um, to, to go back to that cliffhanger. I thought they followed up that well that tension between um spock and christine i thought that was good and then we've got some very specific episodes as well to sort of talk about um that do do that quirk of the week that you described but i found i found most of this season to be in what i would say is uh 
the the two thumbs up category and only i'm just looking now and thinking one two three what's episode six yeah three out of ten i was like that's not for me yeah i would probably say my split was like when i was ranking the episodes like I would almost probably cut it down the middle. I thought there was five sort of like really good, enjoyable episodes and then the other half I could have take it or leave it. And it's I, I feel like I know this is a sort of a, a hard review to give it because I think when I think about I think about the cast. I think about all the characters. Like they're all largely interesting, particularly the cast that sort of continues on from uh season one. And 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 they had, I did appreciate that they kind of had their individual storylines. I just I don't know what it was. I just didn't I didn't connect into this. And I and I haven't been watching it week by week. I was I sort of binged the whole the whole thing over uh, about a week, and I just didn't ever find that sort of like that kick that was kind of like yes, you want more, you want more. It, it just wasn't there for me for some reason. Yeah, that now that's an interesting observation as well because I did watch this weekly as it dropped, and so each week. I was like, oh, here we go. It's 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 Thursday night. It's it's Star Trek, and and it was um, a one and done. And I was happy with just the one, and I was happy to wait. In the same way that we watch Star Wars TV series, that was how mm-hmm. I. And I wonder if I was to sit down and do them all in one, you know, if if I would feel differently. It's a really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got no way of knowing that because. I've done what I've done, but uh, just to talk about a couple of episodes. Oh, go on, Dan. You respond to that. Oh no, no, no. I was going. I was going to say. Um, I, I think in saying that, though, I still think that this season pushed the boat out and did some really creative things, which I think you're yeah. you're about to talk to. Yeah, and, and and those are those are things that I love about this series and about this season, and and I love about Star Trek because it it, it attempts to do things which you know from the first couple of minutes there's going to be haters out there. So I talked about this with the, with the doctor who episode and what they did with the, the history that, and, and you knew as soon as you watch, Oh, here we go. Some people aren't going to, and, and I love the bravery of that because the writers, the producers, they know what they're doing is going to cause um, issue. And it's, and I just think for me, the gambles largely paid off before I jump into those down. I did notice that you and I have, the the episodes one four six and eight in our bottom half um and we both agreed on that and just looking at the ratings on here as well seems to be um generally um sort of similar to to what you and i were feeling there perhaps with the exception of episode eight i wasn't big on the big war fighty battley episodes I, mm-hmm. I guess i've seen enough of that in the in star trek i don't need any more of it but the ones which were stood out for both you and i if we jump into a, a couple of those briefly firstly i have to start with those old scientists the um episode seven where we have a star trek first crossover with an animated tv show and as someone who's watched all of the lower decks that's aired so far and loved the characters of of, of boimler and mariner to see two for anyone who doesn't know these shows if you can imagine uh, you're, you're watching an animated show and to see two of your characters from an animated show to then cross into live action if you imagine a homer simpson to suddenly appear in person in cheers or something i don't know bad example but you it's, it was quite special to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. And, and, like, I I am not as deep into Lower Decks, but I, I also appreciated how well it kind of translated and I, I appreciated kind of the, the humour they brought in the episode. Um, it was it was good. I And that's rated pretty highly on IMDb, right? Like, that's in a 9.1, which is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. And, in fact, that I remember doing a poll myself, talking of polls, way, way back when Lower Decks first came out, because I was adamant. I said, this isn't canon. This is comedy. Let's put this aside. All right, let's not mix this up with the live action stuff. This is this is comedy, and let's have some fun with it. I mean, look at me now. What, what a joke. This is as canon as it gets, because these guys have crossed over. And what was mm. impressive was how they kept that level of humor, and they maintained it and brought it into the Strange New Worlds universe. Um they just had fun with it. And then I love the way it finished when we got to see the Strange New Worlds cast animated in a lower decks fashion as well. There's, this is for the fans, for sure, but it was great comedy fun. 
Mm-hmm. I think the other episode that we both had rated pretty highly is Subspace Rhapsody, which I, I, it just blew me away, and I'm surprised it's actually it scores. You know, it's not not low, but sort of in the, in the medium levels at about six point nine, um, and it was for a, we're obviously deep in spoilers, like for um to sort of integrate mu- a musical element into an episode and just have it work so well, it was. You know they deserve all the all the praise and all the applause for that. I, I thought it, it, it was definitely one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, absolutely the same. And which is a, which is a strange thing for me to to even say because I've had a number of people ask me uh, who know that I don't cope too well with the too much of the old singing, music, and dancing and whatever. And um, we've got that to come with Joker too. But I I really felt that this just worked, and I can't explain mm-hmm. it to myself other than to say I just really enjoyed the the nature of the lyrics and how they were so relevant to what they would have been saying if they had not been forced to sing it because of this experimental quantum probability field that um you know that whatever the 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 buzzword the 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 techno babble is it just it worked well and this is the sort of thing that they do get hammered for and i've seen across social media and in other discord channels as well people no, the word for it, Dan. Hating on it. Mm-hmm. I, I well, look, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It, it didn't um, impact my experience at all, and I think that what where it worked quite so well is because so many of the characters are kind of often quite dry and quite sort of proper in their their Starfleet kind of duties. And yeah, you know, particularly when you take someone like Spock, who's who's so serious, and just have him mm. like bust into song and, you know, even with Captain Pike just trying to sort of like hold it together, but he, he can't do it. And it was it was just a lot of fun. And like we genuinely laughed as we as we watched this episode. Yeah, that's good. And the 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 finale, um great cliffhanger. A real, what I would call as a Star Trek fan, a best of both worlds cliffhanger, which is the name of a next generation cliffhanger from 1990, where they're like mid battle and saying, right, that's it for the season, then you're done. And, and like really proper, good old fashioned cliffhanger. I really appreciated that episode as a season finale. Also bringing back the Gorn, who essentially we haven't seen since William Shatner fought against mm. a rubber suited. Um, lizard gorn uh, back in the original series that was a brave a brave move i thought um charades where spock's vulcan dna got changed to human and then he had to pretend to be vulcan like what you said at the start checks out it is quirk of the week in that respect here's the thing that's happened and how are we going to deal with it but i am definitely on board with a bit of that every now and then it, it, it makes me think of things like x-files where it's just like okay here's a self-contained episode let's see where it goes and and next week we'll go do we'll go do something different so um i think when it doesn't work is where the episode ranks low where i'm just not buying into the story whereas you may not get that with a more serialized approach but um mm. yeah there's 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 so much in here and there's also oh there's some of the cast that just need shout outs as well, I think. I, I actually feel a little bit bad for sort of giving it such a hard rap to start with. Because even now looking at the pictures, like you can tell the production quality is high. You can tell the cast is great. I think, um, I, I'm pretty sure I said this for the, the first season, but Anson Mount, um, his hair is incredible. He's yeah. got the best, the best hair in space, well, without a doubt, 10 out of 10. He's he's a terrific actor, and he is a as Captain Pike. He's he is one of the all time great captains. He 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 just has such great one liners. I love how he's always in his kitchen, and people go and see him, and he's just you know he's he's cutting up vegetables and, and what have you that he's making for his dinner. And I I really and I've said this before, but I really think he's up there with for me the likes of Picard and Janeway as as sort of my all time favorite captains but yeah the casting of that character is a, a huge part of it and Anson Anson Mount is is brilliant and Ethan Peck as Spock he when he first came because of course he started in Discovery when he first came into it I was like is this the new Spock am I buying into it and now after decades of Leonard Nimoy being Spock and, and of course Zachary Quinto when I think of Spock in my mind I, I do think of Ethan Peck and I think that's tribute to him because I just think he's really made that role his own he hasn't tried to um 
not emulate, what's the word, impersonate a Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. type Spock. He's made that Vulcan role his own and kept to the, the core principles of the character. So I thought absolutely superb. But the standout for me this season, I, I would say, would probably be um, Christina Chong, who plays um, the chief of security, Lan. I, I just think the her journey that she's going on and the way she handles her character in amongst everyone is is always a standout. And we know something's going to happen with her character. We know because of her family name what's happened with the Wrath of Khan. Um, we know where that's going. I think one of my favourite characters this season would actually be uh, Jess Bush as uh, Nurse Chapel. I thought she had a, a great season as well and lots of great sort of story elements. That obviously, the love connection with Spock, it was it had a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, no, that's a good show as well. And I think that that relationship with Spock, the way she handles that is is really good. I thought she, as someone who sort of sees Christine Chapel from the original series and thinking about her being that how that continuation has gone. I think she's made that role her own as well. And like, I think I spotted maybe once or twice that the Aussie accent came out, but otherwise I think she's nailed that chapel accent. And I just think um, where that relationship's going to go in, in the third season is, is going to be, exciting as well but the you you touched on the quality of the production the special effects the uniforms there's just there's so much here i love the theme tune i love the theme tune in the um in this in the penultimate episodes of space rhapsody when they sang the theme tune and the closing theme tune um yeah fantastic for me i think also another character that always deserves a shout out is um uh, Melissa Navia, who plays yeah. Erica Ortegas, like all, for some reason, I think like she's the she's the friendly character on deck for me. Like whenever I see her, she's always sort of I don't know the familiar face. There's she something is. about it. No, that, that's another great shout. And she's she's really super. She's really um, modern in terms of how her characters uh, feels. 21st century it feels like if if her character was to jump over to the lower decks universe she's streetwise and she would fit in with the the cerritos crew she's um and yeah she i loved it how like she's she's always moaning about never getting to go on in the away mission and then the one time she gets to go is when they go to face one of the most deadly races of you know <laughs> attacking lizards in the world and she's like hmm, why do i keep complaining about that it was really good mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I I think you've you've talked me around a little bit. I, I I've come in hot. Um, I've come in a bit harsh, but it was all right. We're talking full. <laughs> it was all right. We're talking full spoilers, and of course, leading into the original series with with you know we've seen Kirk come in a lot. In fact, we've probably seen Kirk come in too often. Captain Pike would have every right to say, "Dude, why are you always on my ship? Do you want this ship or something?" You know, they, mm-hmm. he comes in a lot. We've got Spot. We've got Uhura. Um, we've got Chapel. We. We now have coming in towards that finale. What I thought was another massive character from Star Trek, a really good new Scotty. I thought he, within the first twenty seconds, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is Scotty," and you know that's crucial. It's like you know, people say about an interview when they know within the first twenty seconds if they're going to hire them or not. I knew within the first twenty seconds that, that I, I was going to love this new Scotty. It's a good shout. There is a there is a character which I found quite um, quite hard to enjoy on this on this. You know, we're, we're giving a lot, of, a lot of praise, and it's uh, it's Carol Kane's character. I I found her character quite sort of polarizing on a number of episodes. Yeah, it's um, that's not something that's um, uh, that's not an unusual view. That's quite a shared view, I think. Um, cause, cause you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you like me, uh, a big, a big fan. I know you've watched Adam's family, you've watched Munsters and mm. like, I think, I think I, I sort of have a, um, what's the word? I, not that I've forgiving, but like, uh, I just, I sort of look back and I just, I just thinking about her as grandmama in in Adam's family. I just I love that character so much that I I'm not saying I give her a pass, but um, I just really enjoy that. But yeah, I feel that too, Dan. That's a really another 
another great show it, it really is i it just it kind of takes me out of the universe somehow mm, mm, which is mm. a very strange thing to say because she's a terrific terrific actress but doesn't quite fit somehow and it's interesting because the dude who was there before the blind dude in season one i can't think of his name mm. Ham, hammer or Ham, that he didn't fit either for me and i know that's controversial because a lot of people love him but they've they've they've, they've sort of replaced him with someone who also doesn't fit Mm-hmm. Well, I think maybe what I might do next uh, next season is I might try and watch it sort of uh, week by week, so that I maybe go on a bit more of the 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 serialized sort of journey and uh, see how that goes. Yeah, there's something there's there's something about Star Trek and Star Wars TV shows. I'm trying to think what other shows that I like to watch weekly as they drop, um, and then there's the shows like The Walking Dead where I'm like quite happy. Let's 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 be well and done and i can't quite mm-hmm. put my finger on it other than to say i like it i like to be able to talk about the episode throughout the week and like it, let it marinate and there's something about um star trek that that i think works well with that mm-hmm. so you can watch uh star trek here on tvnz on demand um it's uh all of season one and two currently available to stream should we jump into movie of the week, Dan? We shall indeed. So each week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing different movies of the week to review. If you want to find out what that movie is, then you should come and join our Discord channel where we announce that every week. Paul, what is the movie we are reviewing this week? This week we are watching 2023 movie starring Jared Butler and Mike Coulter. It's plain. Uh, a pilot finds himself caught in a war zone after he's forced to land his commercial aircraft during a terrible storm. And then I know this movie has and will continue to be largely slated and criticized for its cliches. You take a look at that poster, you take a look at the title, you know what you're getting yourself in for. And I'll tell you what, I'm perfectly fine about that. I knew what I was getting myself in for. What about you? It's funny you say that because we had the exact same conversation. This is, without a doubt, a classic B-grade movie, but it's a really fun B-grade movie. Like, there's so many, like, cliche moments that are set up in this film from the very first moment of, you know, talking to your daughter and it's like, I promise I won't be late. I'll see you for Christmas. Or I can't remember what the event <laughs> was. Right. And it's like, no, you won't. And then, like, just the dodgy characters that are kind of getting on the plane. The, the just, just so many kind of, like, gimme situations that were set up. But I, I, I'm with you. I, I actually weirdly have a good – had a really good time. Like, I don't think I'll be watching this movie again anytime <laughs> soon. But it's got a, a – enough of a kind of story it's got quite a few terrible effects but the action's not too bad and it's you know it's relatively long but it it kind of it, it kept me engaged at an hour 47 um I, I i'm with you i had a good time yeah i jared butler is is one of those actors and i i know he has more in his locker than justice but when i think about the um olympus has fallen type thing like that sort of action style i feel like he's perfectly cast for this you know I think he, they could have potentially cast Liam Neeson and I wouldn't have been against that either. Um, but yeah, it's because I knew what I was, you know, it's, I was talking about this with someone, you know, one of my small council and I was, I was likening it to when you, when you order something at Burger King, you know what you're choosing, you know what you're getting, you know, it's, you know, it's not going to be as good as what you're going to get from a classy restaurant, but you order it anyway because you enjoyed it last time. It's comfort food. And I'll tell you what, you'll be back again as well. So this this is what a movie like Plane is. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a large combo to boot. I guess the real question that I have from this movie, Paul, is what did Jared Butler do in his life to kind of like, because I feel like, you know, he kind of like, he hit success with 300, uh, (laughs) even with, um, you know, the Phantom of the Opera. He's then kind of done just a series of, I don't know, like like B-grade feel, feels rough, but, you know, yeah. Gods of Egypt, London Has Fallen, um, Geostorm, Den of Thieves, the, Angel Has Fallen, Green, like, like they're all kind of got a similar vibe and, and feel about them. And does he just have a great time doing it? Like, like I think he's having fun. Like, it's, I just have questions about what happened in your career because I, I feel like he could have been, 
the next big action star, but it's it's kind of not quite how it's played out. It's not, and it's um, it's interesting because you know I've sort of made a joke at the start because I've tried to do a, a poor um, Scottish accent on this very podcast before, but there's something about his he he often makes reference to the fact that he's Scottish and and yet he's the most Hollywood sounding mm. Scottish. It's it's a very odd thing. It's almost like he'd be better just to go full American sometimes. But I sort of look at you know while we're talking about him, I look at his his back catalogue and I sort of point to Rock and Roller being the moment that I I really took note of him, and I thought this guy's great. I really enjoy him in this guy Ritchie environment. You know, he played the character one two, and they've they threatened us at the end of that movie with um, the real rock and roller will return or something and never had transpired. And I don't know why, because I love that movie, but that's Jared Butler at his best when he's not at his best. And he does a lot of the movies you mentioned before. And also a couple of comedies in there, like the bounty hunter, um, which I thought was quite funny. It's he's, he's largely wasted, but I do think this sort of movie he's, he's perfect for, he's, he's kind of got a, a mix of a, Liam Neeson of, a, of an old school Bruce Willis, Mel Gibson type. And it's, it's, he's quite fun to watch in this environment. I think this is the thing, like, it, it's not that he's, he's doing a terrible job. It's just that I feel like he could be, like, he could be doing so much more. And I, did, I just wonder, like, why, why that hasn't kind of transpired. But anyway, that we, we kind of digress. I think my favorite thing in these movies is just some of the, like, some of the setups, like my my favorite is, oh, actually, I used to fly for the RAF. Like it's just like, of course she did, of course she did. And then like you know, you come across the convict and you see that he's actually got a an an army knife. Oh, oh, okay. This is this is all just coming to be sort of this this perfect kind of situation of like why these things are going to happen. Like, I I don't know. It's it it kind of makes it goofy fun. Yeah. And I kind of feel like it knows that it's a little bit goofy fun. It knows that the special effects are B grade, um, but it, it doesn't matter because it, it kind of like it works for the story. And I, I'm actually kind of glad, I think, with this movie that the whole movie wasn't shot on a plane. I actually feel like they get rid of the plane fairly quickly. They obviously Correct. sort of circle back around to it, but it's um, you, you get everything. You get um, You get – chaos in the skies you get uh jungle warfare you get a little bit of sort of urban commando you get trying to sort of you get special forces you get great escapes in a plane what what more could you ask for in, in this type of movie and it's like we talked about this a while ago where they just don't make enough of these types of movies anymore so maybe i should be thanking Drew butler like it's a <laughs> it's a great thing it's a great service he's providing they don't make them like this much and it's and it's uh it's becoming its own niche genre when they do make movies like this because there's a, there's B grade and then there's B grade, you know, there's, there's the, there's a quality B grade and then there's the straight to, well, things that go DVD, but you know, straight, just, you don't even recognize who's, who's in it. And, and this, this is not that because Mike Coulter is another actor who I really like, and I've not seen him in enough things. So when I think of him, he's Luke Cage through and through he's, he was superb in the in all of the um, you know Jessica Jones Defenders um, TV series, and I thought he was well cast as well. But like you said, they've got everything in this movie. But I'll tell you what: the moment you know when they realised they, they were on Pirate Island, and they were like, "Okay, we've crashed the plane here, but we've got to get out." The moment he was like, "Let's get back on the plane and we'll, we'll take off!" Like the moment. That they started up taking uh, that was amazing. Like the fact that this crash plane that had lost all electric power and was severely damaged in this crash landing was able to take off. That's Hollywood. That's when I was I was just laughing and because that's ridiculous. And I was quite happy to see them do it. My this is sort of jumping around the story back and forth, but another bit that just made me laugh and laugh was when the plane is hit by lightning and um, old Butler's character leaves the cockpit to go check on oh the passengers. Like, what type? What type of pilot? Like, just all of a sudden gets up and like, <laughs> is everyone okay? Is everyone okay? Like, ah, uh, dude, stay in the cockpit. Like, you need to get through the lightning. Like, no, 
ridiculous. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was the first time Diana got up and was like ridiculous and just sort of like <laughs> made a cup of tea or something because it was. Yeah. It was like if we imagine you and I on that plane, you know, we're we're, we're traveling back and this is going on, and then we see the pilot just wandering down the aisle. You're like, you're okay, no bother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> get back and he just leaves his, his co-pilot to do his thing. In fact, there's a quote here on IMDb, and I, I, I probably should call the episode this, but I've already got plans. But it, it says, if you have New Year's Eve plans, I just cancelled them. Like, it's so good. Like, that, that could almost be the movie title. It's amazing. And also that from the flight deck at the start, when he was sort of saying, oh, we'll, we'll get this uh, off the ground very shortly, um, we'll be underway, I just need to read a couple of pages from this flight manual. You know, just like stuff that you'd never want to hear from a from a captain. No. And like when he went back to the cockpit, he also cracked his head good and proper against the uh, you know the 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 overhead lockers. They set up the plane as being old, you know, someone got on the plane and said in front of the captain, "Oh, how old is this plane? Is it still, you know, like they they set it up, okay, so this plane is already old. It was a very small plane to be fair. It was only like, you know, one aisle, old school. It, it was old school. And even just the fact the plane was like not uh it wasn't very kind of post nine eleven. Like there was no lock on the door. The ear hostess is just walking in and out of the out of the the cockpit, just asking questions. It's unbelievable, Paul. I feel like they should have brought in like a little bit of like modern. But I think it all works for the sake of the movie. I think go and watch this. It's it's dumb and it's fun, and you'll you'll probably have a good time. Keep those expectations well in check, though. I would say, and this is something that I sort of started thinking about watching the movie when when they when they crashed on pirate island that this was um this was uh, said to be a um i think i'm really sorry i forget the name of the was it jolo jolo island in mm. the philippines and the way they portrayed um the the separatists and the militia in the in the the philippines as as how they were and i do feel like often in these sorts of movies when someone is being attacked by mercenaries they 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 make it from a country that just doesn't exist and you have an airline that doesn't exist as the plane that's crashing you know and i just felt like i just wonder how that would have gone down with the the filipino community because i don't know that was a bit weird I well, I think it's it's funny, Paul. You and I are both very good friends with a um, a, a leader in the Filipino community, and one of the bits that just <laughs> just had me laugh is when uh, the guy comes up to the main pirate and he calls him uncle. And and I've heard that in the in the in the Philippines. It was so funny. It, I think you're right. Like I thought it was a bit on the nose, but there was definitely some some inside jokes that were floating around. Yeah. I um look I, I agree with you I think if you know what you're getting yourself into I mean if you've listened to us we've spoiled everything anyway but, but um on the assumption that you've used the time codes and you've come back to listen to this review I'd be interested to hear what you thought of it too because this is not going to win any awards and yet as for what it was uh this is this is as good as it gets for what it was and that's that's as good as praise I can give and if you've got New Year's Eve plans, I just cancelled them. <laughs> Quality. Quality dialogue. Um, I'm I'm giving it all the guns, Paul. Oh, all the guns. Wow, you're going all I, I was coming I'm going all the guns. I was coming with three and I was thinking if Dan goes with two, I'll be lucky. So I'm I'm really impressed. I love that. Yeah. Check it out on uh Prime Video. It's uh, available to stream now. So with that Shall getting, I... I was gonna say, without getting all the guns then and what you've talked about thus far, um Where's your pick of the week sitting? I think I'm actually going to have to go with Platonic because it was such a kind of surprise and delight that I kind of really weirdly kind of connected with these middle-aged characters kind of just – just <laughs> it's all becoming too real, Paul. Yeah, it is. I, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. It was a surprise. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. And it was just, a yeah, a good time on Apple TV. How about you? Definitely Strange New Worlds for me. It's a it's a really good year for Star Trek because we all know what I thought about, you know, Picard season two last year. This year we've had two for me with Picard season three and now this two mm. top Star Trek. It's top sci-fi and it's a top TV show for me. And I it is I've got it connected to my my list of top ten potentials that which I will weigh up 
um, in an objective fashion towards the end of the year, but it's it's there for me. So that's that's a pick of the week for me. What's uh, what's the news this week? Is there anything this time? It is. I feel like I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel on the news front. There's just there's not enough new stuff happening. So I'm I'm gonna get. I've got a couple of bits for you, but none of it is very exciting. The most exciting because I've got to rank it a little bit in order is Anne Hathaway doesn't want us to call her Anne anymore, Paul. She wants to be called Annie Hathaway. So if you can just note that for all, all future um, Annie Hathaway news reportings, conversations. So apparently when she was young, she filled out her um, various sort of documentation and she, she just wrote down Anne Hathaway um, and it's kind of just stuck. But she she's requested, make it Annie. So um, that is your number one piece of news this week. From there, it goes downhill. <laughs> so we've got uh, Timothy Oliphant, who we most recently have seen in uh, The Mandalorian. He's... Uh, from Justified, he's in Deadwood. Uh, he was apparently almost um, Captain Kirk on the J.J. Abrams wow. uh, Star Trek Star Trek movie. So apparently too old. So didn't play out. But just just interesting to see what could have been. He could have done a he could have done a job as Pike. Now I'll be honest, I I love Bruce Greenwood as Pike in those movies, and we've talked about in Cement. But I could see Timothy Oliphant doing a bit of a Pike. It's because he's also got great hair. I think yeah. great hair is the key. <laughs> if the you key. want to be Pike, that is the key. Uh, it looks like uh, Wonder Woman 3, which was apparently previously reported was in development, is apparently not in development at all. Um, and so it still remains unclear whether we'll get a, a third Wonder Woman movie um, with Gal Gadot, but we'll see what happens. Uh, there is talk of wanting to do a second Uncharted movie, so Uncharted based on the, the Sony PlayStation game. Um, could be interesting. Who knows? No one's making anything because there's a strike. Um, we've got Rick and Morty. Um, season 7 is going to be confirmed next week about when that season is going to be dropping. It's going to be interesting. Uh, our first season without um, Justin Roiland. We'll see how that plays out. And then final bit of news. I'm rushing through it because it's it's just not that interesting. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is reportedly reviving his controversial character, Ali G. So um, that's all I've got for you, Paul. Have you got any other news that could be of interest? That goes back a long time, Ali G. That really does. That's mm. unbelievable. Um, I find it interesting that Annie Hathaway has changed her name um, after we've done a peak performance. She knows that we did that in Podcast 124. and So that's interesting. Um, do we update that on the website? I'll leave that down to... I think not until her people will officially get in contact with us. Okay. Right. Just just in case. Just in case. Very good. I um no, I mean, just so quiet, I don't have any news. And I can almost say the same for the mailbag because this this ongoing strike is is not good for um Hollywood and TV industry engagement. However, that being said, we did have um Michael Connolly, um, creator of Bosch and also creator of Lincoln Lawyer. Uh, he liked our post of the review of Lincoln Lawyer season two on, he liked it on both our Instagram and also he liked our Facebook page too. He also liked um, the comment we put in there asking if there was any chance of a third season. So we'll take that as, as confirmation that there's one coming. Um, Peak performance last week was Sean Penn. Uh, Ryan from Oakland. Welcome back to the mailbag, Ryan. It's been a while since we heard, from you, he went with uh, Gangster Squad, uh, which he says is an underrated movie. And I tell you what, that is that's one I've not seen since it came out. And I think that's a really, a really good shout in terms of some of the. If you sort of think about the modern day gangster movies, and you sort of go past, you know, Goodfellas and Casino, and maybe a couple. Of, I'm trying to think what would be the best modern day gangster movie. I think actually, Gangster Squad's not a bad shout at all. So I appreciated that. Um, Diana from the Capity Coast went with Dead Man Walking. Richard from Wellington went with The Thin Red Line. And uh, crossing back over to the States, Michael, North Carolina, two honourable mentions again, Fast Times and the other honourable mention, Carlito's Way. What a cracker, Carlito's Way. I, I, I rate that movie. When this writer strike hits us fully, Dan, and we're like looking at Movie of the Week and we're going back to older movies for a while, 
I'm saying right now, I reckon we do Apollo 13 and Carlito's way as for starters. Um, oh, and Michael's peak performance, sorry, which is one I haven't seen. Uh, the Falcon and the Snowman. Um, that's the peak performance there, so we have to look that one up. And finally, Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast, a 3-2-1 Casualties of War, Mystic River, but peak performance was one we hadn't come up before, which was Milk. That's the mailbag. Very good. Shall we jump into our peak performance for this week? Indeed. So just like our movie of the week, Dan and I take it in turns to look at someone in the Hollywood or TV industry and pick out what we think is their best one. Dan, great pick this week from you, Ian Glenn. Uh, someone who, some listeners might be going, who is that? This is someone you would have seen in way more than you realise when you look back through his film and TV biography. What have you got? Well, you know, we kind of gave him a little bit of a hard time last week yes. for kind of having you know, been a. He kind of plays a character who's always kind of a little bit uh, bit shady. So we thought we, we'd we'd do him right and we'd put him on on our on peak performance. So this week for honourable mention um, for Ian Glenn, I'm actually this is a bit of a a left field shout out for me, but I think. It's, it's an interesting one. So I'm actually going to give him uh, an honourable mention for the 2019 uh, TV series Titans. And so I've only seen the first season of the show. I, I, I never came back for future episodes. But in, in Titans, uh, Ian Glenn played Bruce Wayne. And I think to step into, you know, Bruce Wayne's shoes, the bat, like you, you've got to really bring it. Mm. And I thought... In the context of what the sort of Titans TV show is, I thought he did a an amazing job. He instantly kind of convinced me he was Bruce Wayne. And so even though I think as a TV show, it didn't overly land for me, I think what he did with that character and his sort of brief appearances was pretty powerful. But for my peak performance, probably as a minimal surprise, I, I can't go past uh, Game of Thrones. His portrayal of Jorah Mormont, um, his character arc was amazing um we got to really kind of go on a journey with him um particularly as he sort of he fought for redemption uh with Khaleesi it was a uh, it was so wonderful and I think he, he really portrayed uh, a sort of a stoic knight um throughout the the Game of Thrones series so for me Titans and Game of Thrones how about you Paul? I'm still stuck on Titans and wondering how that one passed me by because it feels like that would be a series for me you know dc bruce wayne all the business uh dick grayson um great great picks then i i have two different picks which is which is great just to sort of you know add to what we talked about with silo last week uh the honorable mention for me is um as sir richard carlisle in the tv series Danton Abbey, and so he plays the the son of of the late Mr. and Mrs. Carlyle uh, from Edinburgh, and he was the fiance for quite a period of time on that show of of Lady Mary Crawley. And you know, uh, we done him dirty last week, but I've got to say, he did it again here, like unscrupulous, doing whatever it you know whatever it, is, it takes to to get what he wants. He was you know they also played him as a as a newspaper proprietor i guess um making sure that he can sell papers even back in those days lying manipulating just all the things and he was just really 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 good at, at doing that sort of bribing threatening type behavior and for almost a whole season we were as the audience just shouting at lady mary just to run for the hills because of who he was so great performance honorable mention there but my peak performance is his role that he played across four movies of the Resident Evil movie series, Dr. Isaacs. Um, essentially, in that respect, he's the, like the, the, the primary antagonist of that, of that movie series, always the one behind the Umbrella Corporation and the, the sinister things that they're up to. Again, brilliantly cast, evil, personified, uh, just, you know, towards Alice, the main, you know, uh, uh, the main star, just cruel, sadistic, and all the things you want in a villain. And I, I just wouldn't, just wouldn't trust him as far as I, I could throw him, which is probably why in Silo I felt the same way for a while. But a 
credit to him for his performance. So yeah, Downton Abbey and Resident Evil for me. Very good shout, and I think very accurate that he is in so many. He's got such a huge back catalogue of uh, TV shows and movies. But Paul, I guess this brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. Does indeed. Thanks as always for listening in. Do let us know why you didn't vote for Paul Canau in the poll on Spotify or anything else that you want to talk to us about from this week. If you watch Strange New Worlds, love to hear your take on it. And also the same for Plane. Do get in contact halfmeasurespodcast.com or our social media. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.